Hello and welcome to Catholic in America. I'm Father Michael Nixon. We are so blessed to be joined in studio today by Father Boniface Hicks. Uh, Father Boniface, we had you on a Skype interview before, uh, but now we got you here in the studio. And today we are going to be talking about why with all of the spiritualities and all of the religions and all the meditation practices in the world, why you should choose Jesus today on Catholic in America. We approach this time with profound respect for all of those who are seeking God, and we're not here to condemn, but rather to invite all who are seeking to find the great fulfillment in Christ. So welcome to Catholic in America. Uh, again, I'm joined by Father Boniface Hicks. He is a Benedictine monk, and uh, he's an expert in all sorts of things. But we're talking today about why Jesus, th this question uh, of, of, of why Jesus, why following Jesus, and, and coming from, we're gonna share from our own experiences of this, and also different Eastern religions and spiritualities and, and all the myriad choices in the world. We wanna thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you for those who's, who support us here um, at Catholic in America through Patreon, especially your donations, especially those monthly donations are so helpful and have such a huge impact allowing us to share the power of the word with the world. Uh, so thank you for your support. So Father Boniface, welcome to our studio. Um, um, Beautiful. Here we are, praise God. Um, and uh, last time we heard a little bit about your story of going from uh, an atheist, growing up atheist, to becoming now a Catholic monk, um, which is fascinating, I think a fascinating journey for a lot of people. But let's talk a little bit about this, about this, this desire that people have in the world, this desire for, for meaning and purpose and the different places that they look for for answers to those deep questions of their life. Where, where, where have you seen that kind of at play um, in the world today? I think it's really widespread as we've lost the culture of religion, as things have been plunged into, I don't know, greater chaos and, and uh, things, uh, a lot of traditional structures have, have kind of disassembled in the last several decades. People are trying to are reaching for meaning in, in different directions, and I think there's a, been a surge of interest in in Eastern uh, religions and Buddhism and Taoism and yoga and just uh, different ways of of trying to find peace. People are trying to find peace in their life. They're trying to find meaning in their life, and and they're they're reaching out. I think at uh, Jordan Peterson, who's not a religion by any means, but his, the way that he speaks speaks into this, this hunger that people have. You know, five million people watched his psychology class, right? There's, hmm. there's a hunger for the things that he's offering, and people go to see him from all over the world. And I, and I think it really speaks into this hunger that we have for, for meaning, for purpose, for balance, for, for peace in our lives. I think I, I've seen it a lot, too, with, with people seeking out even you know areas of mindfulness or areas of, of, of meditation, of learning how to meditate, that's kind of become sort of a, a, a popular um, thing using uh, maybe Buddhist or, or uh, practices or, or yoga. Um, Hinduism kind of, kind of can get at sometimes like a new age practice of, of you know, hold this crystal tw you know, twice a day. And, 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 and so there, there's definitely this, this desire to find some sort of, um, some sort of meaning and, and, and uh, balance uh, that, that everybody seems to have. And it seems, it seems it's, it's almost kind of like big, big, big business now, uh, nowadays. So, so within that, what, what, what is the why behind it? What, what is kind of um, 
the why of why people are, are looking for these things and why are they why is this why is this so popular and why is this something that, that so many people are clinging to? Whether it's someone coming from a Buddhist perspective or a, a Jordan Peterson stoicism kind of kind of perspective that, that that this is something that people are seeking out. Yeah, I think uh, again a desire to to find peace. There's there's a I think there's a lot of chaos in our world and there's a lot you know. We're part of the problem, right? Promoting media and, and throwing more peop, uh, more stuff at people, but there there really is a a lot out there. I mean, you can Google and get ten million hits on anything you're looking for. Where mm. there's there's just so much information, there's so much media, there's so much stimulation, and it has a way of of pulling us apart. There there isn't an invitation to go deeper with a lot of things. It's uh, just more more stimulation, and so it leaves people, I think, ref, restless and and bifurcated. It, we're, we're fractured interiorly. Uh, we we don't have the relational stability. There's a lack of commitment. There's we're missing a lot of trust in authorities, and and it feels like there's there's no proper moorings from our society. A lot of that makes us feel very adrift, and so we're looking for something. And I think it tends to go in, in kind of two directions. One is seeking something transcendent. Like, how do I get out of this thing? Hmm. There must be some answers from beyond somewhere. And, and that gets us into some of the new age religions or you know, the crystals or you know, just seeking something beyond. And then I think there's also a sense of, well, there's, there's a power within me. There's a kind hmm. of promotion that I have a power within me that I can tap into in some way. And, and how do I access that? How do I find some, some place to come to peace with myself and, and uh, find some way? And that's some of the, the breathing or mindfulness or some of these practices, some interior discipline in order to find a, create a space for ourselves in a relatively chaotic world. Y yoga kind of touches on that as well. A lot of people so, seek yeah. that out as, so I started doing yoga and now I feel amazing. You'll, you'll, you'll hear that from yeah. people oftentimes and, and, and has its own attachments to various um, kind of philosophical or even quasi-religious practices as well. I think too, you mentioned this and I think it bears repeating that the, the breakdown of, of stable systems you know, you can look at society as as as, as at large with all the instability, um, everything that we've been through here, pandemic and post pandemic, and and um, uh, social tensions, and now you know uh, wars and rumors of wars, you know, throughout throughout Europe and and um, uh, but I think especially the family, the breakdown of the family, and the breakdown too of church attendance as well. I heard I was listening to to an interview with with a comedian recently, and they kind of said like people used to look towards religion for this or towards preachers as, and then he just sort of said without question, uh, and no one no one no one's religious anymore. And he, he said that as kind of like wow. just sort of, sort of a matter of fact. He wasn't being antagonistic or yeah. or, or or negative, just kind of like. He was acknowledging that that's not really in people's lives, so then people go somewhere else. And he was actually talking about how comedians kind of kind of fill that spot as far as sort of truth tellers or, or storytellers, and mm -hmm. that people go to, um, which we could have a whole other episode about that. Uh, but yes, yeah, so, so the, when when you don't have a foundation, you're, and you're looking towards finding something, you know, something, a direction, meaning, purpose, and 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 I think most people have probably been there have, have felt that anxiety or felt that felt that anxiousness and a lot of people are in a, a state of anxiety and state of anxiousness maybe on a daily basis yeah when we when we don't have answers to fundamental questions uh, and the reality is I mean death does face us every day and things mm. like wars and rumors of wars and pandemics and 
I mean, we're sitting in a studio that was blown away by a hurricane, and it's a, an eloquent symbol, actually, that we're having this conversation about meaning in a place that a little space has been opened up here where it was in the middle of a, a hurricane. And, and a lot of times our lives feel like that. They mm. feel like they're in the middle of a hurricane, hurricane of ideas, of problems, of broken relationships, of things that are coming at us, demands, requirements. And we can feel awfully anxious because at some level, we know that we're inadequate to the challenge. Mm. There, are, there are things that are greater than we can conquer by our own efforts. Death is the obvious uh, definite one for, for everyone. But a lot of things that we face on a daily basis are really huge. And we also know the number of things that can go wrong. What prevents there from being a hurricane here next week? And, and we can really start to live in that anxiety of everything can go wrong and everything can fall apart at almost any minute. Like, how do we find, how do we find peace in the midst of that? So, so the, 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 the problems are real and, you know, the problems that any, anybody's facing and where we look, you know, for, to, for the solutions, maybe that's the thing we can kind of start to question because maybe people that have gone into new age practices or gone into Eastern religions or gone into yoga or breathing exercises or, or, or mindfulness, that they're trying to, to solve a real problem. And I, th I think it's important to, to recognize that. So maybe we could share a little bit from our own experience of, of where, where in our family history, in our lives, we, we've sort of looked for the answers to those questions. And then, then we can, can kind of can begin to, to take that turn of, of why now we're both living for Jesus and, and why we think you know, there's something fundamentally uh, important and different about that turn. Um, but for you, what, what was kind of your experience with, with, uh, with with this searching, this searching for answers and, and purpose and meaning. Yeah, and, I, and if I can just uh, note before we move on from it, the, the way that you talked about it, and, and I think throughout this episode, our, our goal is not to condemn all of that. We're, we're yeah. acknowledging that it's, it's seeking something that's important to all of us. And uh, the discovery, the end of my journey to give the teaser is, is really finding that all of that was fulfilled in Christ. Mm. And so... I think there's a danger. Sometimes it becomes an oppositional thing and Christians condemning everything and, and we're not here to condemn everything. But there's a, there's a truth that's there that truth finds its fullest expression in, in Christianity. Uh, but that was, is important, was important for me. I, I grew up without any formal practice of religion and uh, my parents grew up without any formal practice of religion. And so I didn't have a lot. I grew up in the 70s and 80s when a lot of this that we're talking about was already happening. There, there weren't uh, a lot of strong foundations. There was, it was already in the wake of the, the 60s and doubting every institution. And there's a lot of uh, that kind of rebellion that was still uh, waves of that flowing out. And I found a, a lot of reassurance in science and uh, in study and felt that education, my parents really appreciated education and mm. were very intentional of making sure we moved growing up. My dad was in the Navy, but my parents chose a house based on the, the best educational possibilities for me. And my dad drove longer distances to work so that my brother and I would have better opportunities for education. So that whole movement of knowledge is power was, uh, was there. I went to college at Penn State and was off on a great track and, and started to open up a little bit more to something transcendent. When I encountered Catholics who were going to mass and were studying science and engineering and in the scholars program, that was compelling to me. And I asked them some questions. I had a cousin who was studying philosophy and he raised different questions. And he also had been raised without any r real religion. 
uh, and had found some answers in Zen and meditation, was interested in Buddhism, and, and then also philosophically was asking more uh, fundamental questions mm. about the meaning of life, what happens after death, what, is, what are we doing here, how do we get here? And so that opened me up to those kinds of questions. A man came up to me and invited me to study the Bible with him, and we started looking at the book of Genesis, and I had a hard time connecting Genesis to my life. I was interested. This man was very authentic. It was compelling. It was a good experience, but I just couldn't connect this to my life. On the other hand, uh, as I looked into Zen a little bit more, I read John Kabat-Zinn, Wherever You Go, There You Are, and mm. uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, and this idea of quality and more philosophical questions, but also um, a little bit more kind of mindfulness, breathing. And I applied this to pool. I thought, because I, I loved playing pool. I was getting to be a better pool player. You know, I like to run pool tables. And I thought, oh, yeah, I get it. There's like, when I'm in the Zen, you know, <laughs> then I can run a pool table. Yeah. So this is like practical now. Yeah, you this know, is direct I mean, application. A direct yeah. application yeah. that's really going to make a, a fundamental difference in my life. So, But it did really help me to connect with this idea, like sometimes you're on and sometimes you're off. Mm. And do you have some control over that? Is there something you can do? Breathing, meditation, is there some kind of practice so that you can be on all the time? And of course, that could overflow into relationships. And, you know, I was dating a girl, I had friendships, and I appreciated being on, being in the Zen. And then I also, Taoism was also interesting to me as a, this sense of the Tao being a kind of life force that moved all through all things, like a river moves through a forest. And the idea that you could be in the Tao and moving with the life force, or you could be moving against the life force. Mm. It's kind of my basic understanding of those things. And that was interesting. I had kind of a Monty Python version of, of the Christian God who's like, <laughs> you know, up in the clouds and angry that people are groveling and this sort of thing. And, the, and Taoism helped me to break out of that misconception about who God is, to see more God in terms of philosophers, in terms of being. That mm. There's this being that we can be in touch with or not be in touch with. And so, so those things. And then uh, a final step, and I'll stop talking. The, uh, <laughs> uh, another book that I found interesting was starting to bridge this gap to Christianity, although it turns out to be a little bit more uh, Buddhist than Christian, was, was Father Anthony DeMello, the Jesuit, who wrote a book on awareness and that cultivating awareness. And so he was mm. pulling over a lot of kind of Buddhist concepts he lived in India and uh, and had really ministered in that context and was pulling over a lot of Buddhist things. His Christology is missing something, so that book is on the index. But uh, <laughs> but it was important for me in terms of that kind of self-awareness. Again, sort of mindfulness, paying attention to what's happening inside. And then he started to bridge the gap for me that that maybe I could find these things in Christ. Yeah, I, well, it's interesting because my, my own family history, I was actually born Hare Krishna, which is kind of a, a, a version of Hinduism. I don't think a, a, a you know most Hindus throughout India would, would accept Hare Krishna necessarily, but that's that's what we were born into. There's some cultish aspects of of that organization as well of Krishna consciousness. But my parents had gotten into that, um, seeking answers. My mom had really through through yoga and meditation, and my dad had had encountered some philosophical things that led him in, in, in that direction towards the Hare Krishna movement. 
Um, but really in a time of, of, for them in the 60s, a time of, of upheaval and, and, and distrust of authority, but still seeking that, that meaning and purpose and, and, and direction. So that's how they found themselves within that. And that's, that's, you know, that, that's the family that I was born into. And so it's interesting just, just kind of recognizing that backdrop that not to, not to, to jettison the, the good aspects of it, because you know, we recognize that there's, there's something good there. There's something true and beautiful, um, uh, but then it gives, you know, it, it, it gives way to something even, what I would say even greater, you know, the fulfillment of, of whatever everyone's looking for. But definitely as, as our family, we, we kind of grew up within, within that we're sort of, you know, the, 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 the mix, mix mash of new age practices or, or you know, uh, very high uh, uh, Eastern philosophies and the Bhagavad Gita and, you know, myths and things, you know, throughout Hinduism. So kind of all those things sort of flowing in and out of each other as, as, as sort of a take your pick um, um, of those things. That, that's kind of the culture and society that we are in. It's probably different than most people. Most, most people's parents didn't meet in India, like my parents did, um, unless you're, you're from India. But, you know, <laughs> and uh, most people didn't grow up with a Hindu name, which I did. And, uh, and so, it, yeah, so, so just kind of recognizing that, though, as, as the, there, there's a fancy word of a propedeutic you know, like what, what, what is the, that's the prepar, preparatory sort of, sort of thing that the, that the Lord is using, which in the early church, maybe you can say a word about this, that when they encountered Greek philosophy, they, they, a lot of times they, they would start to say that, that this was, you know, whether Plato and Aristotle and different people that were pointing the way, it wasn't, it t- couldn't take you across the finish line. It wasn't salvation and Jesus, but it was kind of maybe pointing the way to it. Do you feel that sometimes this, this can be that? Maybe, maybe it might, might be dangerous for some people, but that it could be um, opening people up towards, towards, some, towards Christianity or Catholicism. Yeah, in as much as I acknowledged, first of all, that we're not here to simply condemn all of these things, at the same time, I would also say I'm not inviting people to engage in any of these things yeah. in order to find Christ. You don't need to go those dura- those routes in order to find Christ. But there is uh, truth to be cultivated and recovered, and there are people who maybe take a little uh, circuitous route like uh, mm. you and I for different reasons yeah. on the way to, to come to Christ. But yeah, they, the the early Christians uh, encountered uh, Roman culture, Greek culture, and Hebrew culture, and and all in different ways. And one of the, we can see some signs of that in uh, the Gospel of John, for example, in his definition of who Christ is, the Word made flesh. That focus on the Logos is is really influenced by the, the Greek concept. If you were coming at it from a more Hebrew perspective, you might have focused a, a bit more on wisdom and uh, that foundation. Uh, certainly, there's a place for that in, in Greek philosophy too. But but the Logos, the Word, and and the focus on the Word, and that was that was a, a connection point for me too because there's uh, there's a way that the the Word correlates with the the Tao in uh, in Chinese. Uh, Philosophy, Taoism is really a philosophy more than it's a, a religion. And that sense of a life force that moves through all things, well, doesn't that sound like through him all things were made? Mm. And we start to see the way that the word, in fact, the logos is through all things. And we talk about the seeds of the word uh, uh, that, that move through all things. And it's these seeds of the word that we find in places like Greek philosophy. Socrates tapped into uh, amazing truths. I mean, when, you, when I first read Plato, I was like, 
is this guy Christian? Where does he get this stuff from? There, mm. there are even uh, some theories that there were you know, some Hebrew influences or Jewish influences in Greece that had made their way and people have sketched out these ideas because Plato comes up with, with such profound things. Mm. It's not perfect. He has a, the pre-existence of souls and he, has a, he, he doesn't value the body in the way that we do. And there are some things that are off, but there are some things that are really beautiful there. And that's what the, the fathers of the church picked up in a particular way, that Platonic philosophy and finding in that a groundwork for, for natural truth. And then uh, St. Thomas and, and through, the, through Islam brought in Aristotle and uh, the translations of Aristotle and took that up into Christianity and in ways that uh, were, were controversial at the time, you know, but, mm. but Arist- uh, St. Thomas Aquinas was, was convinced that there was truth there that could help us understand Christianity even better and to live it out more fully. So they, they were able to bring in these, these preparations, these preambula or the propedeutic expressions for, uh, for Christianity. Excellent. So we're going to dive into the, the difference, the vital difference in following Jesus and, and why Jesus, you know, for anyone who's, who's maybe been involved in Eastern religions or mysticism or, or, or Stoicism or, or Jordan Petersonism or, or anything else, that really the difference that Jesus brings. We're going to take a quick break, but we're going to talk more about why Jesus when we come back. Hey guys, welcome back to Catholic in America. I'm Father Michael, joined by Father Boniface, and we're answering the question, why Jesus? With all, with all the, the, the philosophies and religions and, and, and uh, ways of, of dealing with anxiety and stress and difficulty, so, so what, what is the difference in following Jesus from all these other ways that, that, that we've been talking about? Well, we've been talking about Buddhism or Hinduism or uh, yoga or uh, Taoism or... Uh, or, or the kind of thing that Jordan Peterson says uh, in terms of uh, Jordan Peterson, for, for example, holds up Christ as the exemplar for which we should strive. Mm-hmm. And one might say, well, he's Christian then. But there are, are, are a number of things we could focus on. But I think one really critical one is just to turn it around and see that all of those are about striving to reach something. Whereas in Christianity, we believe that it's not just man seeking God, but it's God seeking man. Mm. Not only are we striving to do something, learn something, practice something, discipline ourselves in some way, but he has first come to us. He has revealed himself to us. He has sought us out. That image of Christ as the good shepherd who finds the lost sheep, that he is the one who goes out into the briar patches and into the wasted the, the desert places in order to find the one who has been lost. He is a savior who comes to rescue us. And that really shifts polarity in Christianity, that it's not just all about my effort and what I can achieve. Because if we've tried to achieve very much for very long, we all know how limited that is. Mm. And, and many of us are worn out. And some people approach Christianity that way with that misconception that it's all about you got to do this and you got to strive for this and you got to learn this and you got this rule and you got this other thing. If, if that's your idea of Christianity, then you haven't met Christianity. Yeah, and, and I think that's, that's so important for a lot of reasons for maybe someone who grew up in the church who maybe got kind of 
exhausted with you know all the spiritual tasks that they need to do and weren't seeing an improvement in their life. Right, right, right. And so then they discovered something as simple as as a philosophy of fitness or a philosophy of 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 mindfulness that like actually this has helped me to to, to feel better and to sleep better and to to do better and my relationships are improving and I'm 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 getting after it at work so I'm making more money. You know, like there's like kind of you know measurable things that they're seeing um, that that more success, so to speak. Um, but w- what we're talking about then, and when we talk about Jesus or Christianity, it's not just like, this is the most successful thing. Like, you know, you thought that was successful. Like, th- th- this will get you even more, that there's something a fundamentally different direction for it, which I think is is maybe not a lot of, even people who grew up in the church have necessarily experienced that, that way. So sometimes that can be a challenge to to repropose that for someone who's who's Catholic or Christian or or grown, grown up in some sort of with some sort of semblance of, of of Christian understanding. Yeah, we could say in Christianity the theme is to let yourself be loved, mm. and who doesn't want that? Yeah, we have the opportunity to place ourselves to recognize that we are in the presence of the God of the universe who cares about us, who actually has sought us out who has come down from heaven in order to become one with us, to encounter us and to meet us. He has taken on a human face and a human voice so that we can connect with him in a way that we understand. And he's come to do that because we are so valuable to him. Mm. No matter how much we have failed or where we have gone, no matter how much we have wasted our lives or feel like we are a lost cause, we are not to him. That's the proclamation of the Christian faith. And that's the Jesus Christ who comes to seek us, not because we've earned his love or his attention, but rather because we had him at hello. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he, was, he fell in love with us before we even knew who he was. And I love that we finally brought this to Jerry Maguire, because I think that's the point <laughs> we needed to. Well, it, it reminds me, too, that the God's first response in Genesis after the fall, when, when, when Adam and Eve... They disobey God, they turn away from God, they hide from God, they hide from each other, they're in shame. It says God is walking and then God says, where are you? Like those, those three words to me, I tell people oftentimes that they're kind of like struggling with beginning to read the Bible or, or encounter Christianity. Like this is an encapsulation, God in search of man, God saying, where are you? This is kind of the, the whole story of the Bible unfolds as, as, as this, where we're hiding, where we're ashamed, where we're broken, we're, we're you know, mired in our, our, own, our own mistakes, and, and yet God goes in search of us, which is such a, there's something so powerful about this, because just before that, it described the power and the grandeur, the awesome majesty of God is not just one more being amongst all the other beings. He's not just a human, but bigger and stronger. He's the source of all creation and existence. He's the one who hangs the lights in the sky, you know, to use that poetic language of Genesis. And that God is the one who then goes in search of us um, at our worst. And, and it's in that light that we can start to see some of the, the bits that are in other, these other places that, well, how do we get in touch with being? Well, in, in that way, uh, the, you know, the Buddhists maybe have something, they're, they're in touch with something, but at the end of the day, they end up with, with nothing. And I, and I want to be careful. I, I'm not an expert in these things, and I hate to make straw man arguments. And right. there, are, there are people who have, have gone into these things. But insofar as there is a purpose to, to mindfulness or an awareness of who we are or where we are, but it's, in, it's for the purpose of encountering a person. And, and that's what's missing from, from Buddhism or from, from Taoism. Or, there isn't another person. There isn't a person there person with a face and a voice and with a heart who loves us, a person who is also 
being. Mm. And, and that's what we can't fit into our mental categories. God is bigger than our mental categories. Yeah. And so we accept this, this data in faith and, and we meet him and he, we discover in him a fulfillment for our deepest desires. And that's why, unlike, again, at least uh, dimensions of Buddhism that, that sees the desire as the cause of all suffering, we see desire as fulfilled in Christ. So our desires are directing us in the right way. And there is suffering along the way because we're not meant for this world. And so the cross is the answer to human suffering that comes from desire that ultimately our desires lead us to, to some struggle, some suffering, disappointment, discouragement, failure, uh, rejection, persecution, all of these kinds of things. But that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is Christ and he draws us with desire, through suffering, to its fulfillment in love with him. I think that that, that question of suffering, every worldview, every religion, every philosophy, every person has to eventually hit this, this brick wall or this minefield or barbed wire fence or however you want to describe it, of suffering. And how do you answer that question? How, what, what, is, what does your worldview tell you about that? I mean, some people have, have a, in a sense, like the power of positive thinking, which in a sense can be kind of its own sort of philosophical or quasi-religious, um, sometimes kind of getting into some new age religiosity uh, sort of things of if, I, if I'm putting out good into the universe, then I'm gonna get good back. If I, if I will, you know, if you name it and claim it sort of, sort of thing, you know, which these sort or in a sense, you know, just this the Buddhist mentality of just deta total detachment from all things, and that's how you avoid suffering. But all of it's kind of like, how do I avoid suffering? And Christianity, and which in my family's case, my 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 our family began our journey into the, back into the Catholic Church with my mom, and into the Catholic Church with my dad, and the rest of us, when our world fell apart. It was when my dad was arrested, and my dad started asking those those difficult questions, and that pit of hell of prison all the way across the country, separated from his family, our family suffering in the midst of that, he's suffering, and beginning to ask the question of, of, of what does this mean, or where do I find? And then to encounter Jesus there, who enters into suffering with us, not just to float above it, not just to sort of escape it, or just to sort of will ourselves out of it, um, but but to to recognize that there you're loved and you're not alone and that that, that to me is, is 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 such a fundamental fundamentally profound uh, proclamation of, of what of the difference that, that that Jesus makes and and similar to what we had touched on earlier in the the program with death being that wall obviously connected with suffering and some yeah. at some level suffering is always a share in death and a promise that there will be an end, a promise in the negative way, a threat that there will be an end. And dealing with suffering and death is a, is a problem that faces all of us. It's a fundamental philosophical problem. And you just described uh, beautifully how Christianity shows us a way through suffering in Christ who enters into our suffering and meets us there. And so suffering is transformed into love mm. in Christ, mm. that it becomes a place of encounter for us because he who has gone into it he has gone into all human suffering. None of us suffer alone anymore because Christ has entered into it. And so suffering becomes a place of love and communion rather than simply a place of isolation. Not to say any of that is easy and we engage it in faith and it's something we have to grow into. Like some of these other religions do have practices and disciplines and effort and, and we have that in Christianity. Yeah. But God takes the effort first. He goes into our suffering and he waits for us there. 
God goes into our dying and he waits for us there. God goes into our lives, into the, the wastelands, and he waits for us there and he meets us and then takes us to a, to a place of fulfillment. I think that, that Psalm 23, it's, it's famous for a reason, you know, because it, it's, it's so descriptive of, of walking through the valley of the shadow of death that you are with me, that there's that your rod and your staff, they give me comfort, that you're preparing you know, this, this banquet for me. There's something about that. I think about this as priests, we're blessed to, to be with people in illness and, and even in death and be with families. And we've experienced you know, the, the sadness of death within our own families. And, and, but to recognize that, what does it mean that we're not alone there, that Jesus is with us, that now death doesn't have the last word that there's something so powerful about that, um, that in a sense, and I, I've described this with, with our, our family. My, my, my brother passed away this past year in a tragic accident. It was sudden and it was shocking and, and, and all the emotions that it doesn't diminish the sadness. It's not this sort of like simplified, like, oh, it's okay, he's in heaven sort of thing. In a sense, it almost intensifies the sadness for us, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's in this current, it's against this backdrop of grace that like, because Jesus has entered into death, that even this, this senselessness and the sadness and, and the hurt of, of experience the loss of someone you, you love, that even there, that, that you're not alone, that, that God is with us and he's with my brother, he's, he's with us who mourn. And uh, there, there's something so beautiful about that um, without taking away the, any of the difficulty or any of the, 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 you know, the apparent power of it, there's like a deeper power that it's met by, which is what we talk about, we talk about the death and resurrection of Jesus. Yeah, Jesus wept at the death of Lazarus. Hmm. He was gonna raise him from the dead, but he didn't just skip over that. Raising him from the dead wasn't a, a way of avoiding the pain of loss. Mm. He also entered into the pain of loss and, and suffered that with Mary and Martha who lost their brother and he felt that. And he gives them and gives us permission to feel it. And Our Lady is a great example as she weeps at the foot of the cross and, and the role that she plays is, is so important that she's able to enter in with her compassion and she really helps to, as, as Jesus helps to sanctify those feelings of, of loss, of pain, of suffering. But we can have the courage, like you said, the resurrection actually, uh, we, we almost would have to be in denial. I mean, the Buddhist route's not a bad route if there's no resurrection. Well, we mm. might as well avoid it as much as possible yeah. until it's facing us inevitably and we're dead. Uh, but uh, Christianity really gives us permission to feel those things, to go into those depths, knowing that they're not the last word. It's a, it's a little like watching a movie. We can experience the intensity of the sadness when we know that there's going to be a happy ending. Otherwise, we might have to shut down. Is this thing ever going to turn around? Mm. And, and we could really get crushed by that. Yeah, and so I think maybe the, the invitation, or maybe we can, we can kind of make some applications for people here, just where we've seen those good desires that people have that might lead them to find a lot of solace or encouragement or... or uh, yeah, peace within uh, meditation or, or you know Eastern meditations or or, or Taoism or Buddhism or Hinduism um, that why Jesus uh, becomes the fulfillment of those and, and why living completely for Jesus in a sense setting aside those things isn't a, a rejection but instead it's 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 given way to the fulfillment so so something as 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 simple as as the breathing exercises that someone starts to do 
that you know is kind of maybe has 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 a uh, you know has sort of a, a Eastern meditation kind of a, a focus to it. I'm going to focus on on you know a word or something. How does that give way to something within following Jesus? Maybe that 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 brings even more to it. In his uh, letter to bishops on various aspects of Christian meditation, Cardinal Ratzinger, then the head of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, looked at these uh, various uh, non-Christian religions and practices, meditations, prayer. It's really a beautiful letter, and he does the thing that Cardinal Ratzinger, Pope Benedict, was so good at doing, and just walking through, not sort of condemning, setting up straw mans, but seeing what was good. But he describes some of these things, like posture can be, or breathing can be, or or simple forms of, of meditation or mindfulness, just paying attention, what's going on in my head? You know, what, what are the thoughts that I'm having? And what are the things that I'm feeling? Just taking stock of our interior. He calls this psychophysical preparation for prayer. So hmm. psycho, our thoughts, physical, just being aware of what's happening in our body, positioning our body, getting comfortable, breathing, uh, breathing triggers uh, different parts of our, our nervous system and has a way of moving us out of sometimes traumatized states to a, a place of, of deeper peace. So there are things that we can do in our bodies and pay attention to them that aren't uh, inherently Buddhist. They're inherently human. Right. These are just human things. And, and so we can take advantage of that as a preparation for prayer. It's great when we go into an adoration chapel, for example, a lot of us are rushing from all kinds of crazy lives. I mean, we do live in the midst of a, a lot of hyper-stimulation, and there are things coming at us. We've learned to multitask and do 17 things at the same time. We're thinking about all kinds of stuff, and we may just need, you know, in through, breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth 10 times. It's amazing what that does interiorly. Mm. And then just taking stock. What's the stuff that I'm feeling in that moment? We've been running from one thing to the next so much that just paying attention, well, I'm really irritated. Why am I so irritated? Why do I feel chaotic? What's what's going on in my head? Why am I why is that song coming up? Why is that the feeling coming up? Where is that image coming from? Mm. And just taking stock of that first of all, not sort of condemning and suppressing and but just and and we can almost allow it like to to sort of bubble up to the surface and and some of it just needs to be released. We can let it go. So these kinds of things and I'm describing in a very simple way and you know, it's the but some of the things that the the Buddhist approach, or you know, and again, I'm not an expert in any of those things, but there's something like that. Somebody who knows that well. In fact, I was just talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago who's a, who's an Orthodox Christian had gone over and had learned uh, meditation, actually became a, a a master and was instructing others, and then discovered Christ and became a, an Orthodox Christian, mm. but. Uh, finds, you know, uses some of these things just to kind of get herself in a place physically, psychologically, to encounter Christ more fully. Mm. And that's where we, we find the, the culmination, the, the fulfillment. Yeah, that, that, that probably for some people, particularly if they've had a, a, a superstitious practice or something, that maybe they, 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 they do need to let that go if they're coming to faith in Jesus Christ. But if something in their humanity is... is, is opening the way towards prayer, you know, being aware of what's going on in your body, being aware of, of aches and pains and frustrations, you know, and then to bring that into, then I open up my Bible and I'm, I make the sign of the cross and I sanctify this space and this, this reality and my mind and heart and I take some time to allow the Lord to speak to me through his word 
going into the Adoration Chapel or going into Mass. I think praying with our whole body is something that we Catholics do really well. I, I always kind of, for those who are non-Catholic Christians, I, I point that out to them, that the reason that we stand and sit and kneel, and sometimes people get kind of, you know, confused by that, and we make the sign of the cross, we use incense, and, and, and you know, the sacraments have a sense, is that we pray with our whole bodies, our whole person prays, you know, that the Lord reaches us in the midst of this reality. Um, and, uh, you know, so our bodies when we're feeling good and our bodies when we're feeling weak and broken too. So the Lord reaches us at each one of those places. Um, and, and yeah, so, so there's something about that too, of, of taking the good, you know, test everything and hold fast to what is good. Um, that in a sense, the Lord doesn't, if something is brought, you know, life and meaning and purpose to, to your life, there's probably conversion necessary for you, you know, for anyone who's, who's watching today or listening that's, you know, to, to be more aligned with Christ and with, with the church. But the Lord wants to fulfill all, all that good. He wants to, to bring something even better. And I think that's maybe the, the good thing. When I've encountered people who maybe only had a, uh, maybe kind of a new age practice of, 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 of prayer or, or of, 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 you know, religiosity, when all of a sudden they encounter the fullness of the faith in the Catholic church, of encountering Jesus and the sacraments, the sacramentals of the rosary and other things, it's like, oh yeah, this is what I was looking for. This is this is what I was I was longing for, de- um, in, in in a real definitive way. Yeah, that's right. And you know, uh, we we talked about the uh, the role that suffering plays. I mean, it's one of the the keynotes for Jordan Peterson. He says, "There's no way to avoid suffering. Mm. Uh, if you try to do it, then uh, you will you'll end up in all kinds of other terrible places where you destroy other people." But we have to face suffering as a reality. And then we need a sufficient reason to carry us through the suffering. Mm. And so he really opens the door and he encourages certain things like pick up a burden, you know, introduce a little bit of order into whatever chaos is around you, clean your room, make your bed. These are these are starting points. And again, we find the fulfillment in Christianity. We can face the chaos. And we can uh, light one candle in the darkness. We can straighten out one problem in the chaos. We can really bring Christ into some of these places where we, uh, where there is suffering, where there is uh, our, our own pain, where there is confusion. And so he really becomes a, a fulfillment for what you know someone like Jordan Peterson would teach. Absolutely. So I, I think it's a good invitation for anybody kind of, wherever they're at on their spiritual journey, whatever, whatever practices they found helpful, that for us in our lives, uh, we've, we've, we recognize Jesus is, is, is the answer. You know, falling in love with Jesus, knowing that he loves us. First of all, that he's, he loves you, he loves you, whoever's watching today, for, he loves you, Father Boniface, he loves me. And from there, we can experience uh, meaning and purpose and, and value and, and, uh, and uh, yeah, everything that we're really looking for. And, and just to make it very concrete for, for any one of the, those who are watching, say a prayer to him. Mm-hmm. And, and very simply, uh, one of the reasons we might say, now we talked about Jesus pursuing people. Well, why hasn't he pursued me? Or how, why hasn't he found me? Well, he also really respects our freedom. And so he doesn't attack us and overwhelm us. He waits for us to open a door. He's been knocking. The fact that you're watching this program is a sign that he's been knocking. And he's drawing you this far. And just to, to welcome him in or, or even say a, a more hesitant prayer. Jesus, what these guys is, is, are saying sounds good. I want to know you. And reveal yourself to me. Help me to get to know you. Come and find me. Help me. Save me. 
And just that simple prayer, it's amazing what that will do, what, what process that will initiate in our lives. Excellent. So why don't we why don't we close with that then? Why don't we why don't we close with that as a prayer again? If anyone's listening, watching us, if you just want to even even make this a hesitant prayer for you, um, Father Boniface introduced it, so I'll, I'll just repeat that. So Jesus, um, find me, find me today. Help me to know that you're real. Help me to know that I'm loved. Jesus, help me to know that you are present and that you have a plan for my life. And may my life give way to that plan so that I can experience that you are with me even in times of suffering and pain. And I, I want more. I want more of your glory and your light and your peace in my life. Come Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. That's simple prayer. So, so again, hopefully this has been a helpful conversation. Father, Father Boniface, so grateful, so, so blessed that you got to be here in studio. Hopefully we'll do some more episodes uh, with you in the future. And uh, we'll definitely be praying for you and for your ministry. We want to thank everyone for watching, all those who have been supporting us, um, who have uh, supported us on Patreon, those who, who like, share, and subscribe to these videos. Uh, it means so much to us, and, and I know you help this to be a blessing to other people. So until next time, we'll see you soon here at Catholic in America. Mm -hmm.